Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. So I will, um, I will say this, uh, I had that in, in PowerPoint, but I also, you know, kind of early on, I was thinking in my mind, and this wasn't anything that you guys did, I thought I was going to be talking to parents of teenagers, and then I was kind of wrangled back in a little bit, and I thought, oh, we got to talk about little kids, which I love, and I'll explain why. Uh, I work, I have five kids myself, one that just graduated this past year and one that's in kindergarten and three girls in the middle, two boys and uh, three girls in the middle. And so I've got elementary kids, I've got middle school kid, I've got high school kid, and I've got a college age kid. So I I like all the groups, Um, I like all the ages, I work with all of them. Uh, I work at the school at Mars Hill in Florence um, and I do counseling in the with individual children sometimes and then I go into each of the classes and do uh, sort of a I guess you would call education character education that I do with them and so I enjoy getting to to meet with the little ones from TK you know four-year-old up to fourth grade and uh, we do classes and talk about things so some of the stuff that we're going to talk about may mirror some of the things I talk to them about or at least some of the concepts behind why I talk to them and and what we do and then of course I work as an LPC I have a private practice as well so kind of do a little bit of everything have have my hands in in quite a few different things and so uh, I really enjoy working with kids and so we're kind of that navigating parenthood Today, I want us to really focus on kind of understanding the growing mind. Uh, and I hope that as we learn a little bit about the mind uh, that, that kids have, uh, and maybe eventually we may even can talk about some of the things of teenagers, I'm not sure how many of you, I, let me just get a show of hands, like uh, how many of you have kids that are teenagers? Okay, so a few of you. Do you also have kids that are not teenagers? Some of you, okay? And how many of you have like elementary age kids? Okay, middle school age kids? Maybe people in, in, in all the different categories. So I, I think what we're going to talk about is going to apply across the board. Uh, and I know one, one little caveat to what was said, uh, I like for you guys to talk. So I don't want to be up here rambling, and you don't want me to be up here rambling for three hours. So uh, help me just talk, ask questions. We can have some questions at the end, but I'd also like to have questions in the middle. So if you've got something, you go, I don't understand that, or whatever, I'll, you know, defer to someone else to answer your questions if you don't, if I don't understand it. But uh, we'll, we'll do our best to kind of work through some of the things. And just to understand a little bit about what's going on uh, in our kids' minds and things like that. So I will say I do not have all the answers. So I know many of you uh, do things well uh, parenting. You do things probably better than I do parenting. Uh, and maybe there's just some wealth of knowledge, some things that I've uh, studied things that I've talked about that will help you a little bit. And so we're just going to think of, you know, the, the kids' brains today as uh, a, a vessel. And we're going on a journey. And that journey is not a, 
a real simple one. It's not a real short one. It may take some time uh, because it really does, it, and, and we know that. So I may have to turn around so I can see things occasionally. We'll go back. Oh, there we go. Oh, there it is. Anybody ever been to uh, Hanama Bay? Anybody ever been to that? It's in. Uh, so I was thinking about this. I, I went when I was probably a junior in high school. We went to Hawaii on a chorus trip, which was random. They don't do big, huge trips like that anymore. But it was a really cool thing. So did anybody snorkel there? So I remember, it's still in my mind for some reason, I don't know, I don't remember a lot of things, but I remember when we got there, they gave us a little tour book, you know, that kind of shows you the different things you can do, and if I remember correctly, the bay left. I remember correctly that there is a, you know, there was a certain section you could go in, and then there was another section that people who had a little bit more uh, practice could go into, and then people who were considered... Uh, experts could go even further. And so it's kind of like in sections on that map of what you could do and where you could go. So kind of thinking about kids' brains a little bit, you know, when they're little, we sort of protect, right? We, We don't want them to wander out into certain things. We don't want them to be exposed to certain things. As they get a little older, we have to sort of allow that. They begin to get more exposure, more and more exposure to different things. And then eventually, we have to kind of let them have the world. Um, at some point, that's the hope is that sometime you're going to send them out, right? Maybe that's not your hope. I don't know. It's my hope, okay? That at some point, now my wife might would, would, uh, would argue with me on that point. But, you know, my hope is that at some point, we kind of push them out to sea, and hope they'll come back home, and hope they'll come see us, but they've got to learn how to fly. They've got to learn how to do their thing. And so that that kind of stuck in my mind as I was thinking about that bay and knowing, you know, there's little places. And, and so as we talk today, I want us to think about how are we helping them sort of navigate out into that. And I think it's important that we understand a little bit about the developing brain. Okay, so in toddlers... Uh, infants, even before we get to toddlers, infants, uh, it's such a crucial time for connection, right? What, what do you hear when maybe the, when you were first, I just now realized I have a picture up there, sorry. Um, when, when you were first, uh, become a parent. Now, for me, that's hard to even remember. That was a long time ago. Uh, what did you do when you first heard you're gonna have a baby? What'd you start doing? Run away? No, <laughs> you didn't do that. Did you start reading stuff? Did you start thinking about what is the what is it that we're supposed to do? How are we supposed to bring this little baby into the world? You know, you start what what to do when you're expecting whatever it is. You know, there's all those little books that you read. And what are some of the things they tell you to do during that time when the baby is still in the womb? Like what are some of the things you can do to influence the baby? Anybody read or sing to them so they can learn your voice, read to them, do some different things um, that would help them. Anything else? It's kind of the one that kind of sticks in my mind as you read to them and whatever. Well, then once they're born, of course, young, you begin to start playing with them. And you do different things. with. Okay. Yeah. 
Play push the foot. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this was great. Yeah, so you're kind of pressing on the belt. Might have been great for you. It might not have been great for her at that point. But, but yeah, those, yeah, you can start doing those kinds of things. And then when they're born, you do the same thing, right? You're, you're playing. You're, you're engaging. You're spending that time with them. They're learning your voice. They even say that, like, peekaboo, even though it's kind of a, you know, a fun little game, there's actually something there because they learn that just because they can't see you, you're not, that doesn't mean you're not there. So they're hearing your voice even though they're not seeing your face, and it kind of gives them that sense of, uh, of security and knowing that, hey, I'm, you can hear my voice outside the room, and I'm, I'm still here. I'm just not in the room with you. So those first few years of life, more than one million new neuro connections are being formed every second. That's a lot of growth, Right? That's a lot of growth that's taking place. And that happens on throughout. So in the toddler phase, the brain starts out at about a quarter of the size of the adult brain. Okay, so it's not nearly as big as what our brains will be. And by three, it's 80% the size it will be. A quarter from 80 to 80%, the size it's going to be in just, you know, three years. So then... By the time they start kindergarten, it's at 90%. So all this growth is taking place. Now, sometimes I'll talk to groups, like I said, about teenagers. And what's interesting about toddlers and teenagers, what's, I guess, what's similar about them? Testing boundaries. Testing boundaries. What else? What? Okay, so they start gaining some self-independence. What else? They all have meltdowns, right? They just look differently. You have two-year-old meltdowns. You have teenager meltdowns. And those happen in, in both of those phases. And that's because in the teenage years is when the brain grows the most except for during this phase. Okay, and it's not that it's growing because we've already talked about that it's 90% formed by the time that you're in kindergarten. So it's not growing, but it is changing. And so a lot of those connections begin to prune away. Uh, and because you start going, okay, I'm going to focus on these things. I like sports or I like music or I like this, you know, whatever those things are. And they start super focusing on the things that they want to do. And so the brain has to change itself. And so it starts cutting away all these connections and growing new connections. And all of a sudden their brain's doing the same thing it did it too. So if you've got a teenager and you're wondering why have they lost their mind, that's why. Okay. So you've probably noticed that sometimes they don't act rationally. They can have breakdowns. They can have a lot of different things that happen. And that's the the way God designed it, okay? So we're not talking outside of God's realm here. God made it that way. God wanted it that way. And so he put it into play. So how do we deal with a developing brain? What do we do with our kids as those brains are developing? And and what are some of the best things for them or the things for us to take away and to know about. So that's what I want us to spend a little bit of time this morning. Again, if you have a question or you've got a comment, please share. The first thing is to know that relationships rule, okay? Relationships are super, super important. I don't think I'm telling you something that, that you don't know, right? We understand. I tell people all the time, counseling, whether this is adults, 
I have adults tell me this. I have teenagers tell me this. I, have, I don't know that I've had a lot of kids tell me this, but, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't want to, to, to ask somebody for help. I don't want to... And I said, look, that's what we were made to be. We're communal people. We're supposed to be together. We're supposed to have relationships. That's why we have not only our earthly families, but we have this one. Because we need each other. We're not designed to make this thing on our own. And so when people started studying counseling, I mean, well, they've been studying counseling for quite some time, but when they were looking at which is the you know, best technique, because you have Rogerian and Jungian and all sorts of different types of theories, and then you've got all of these different techniques that you can use, and people wanted to know which one is the most important. Which of those techniques or theories should we go with? What's the most important one? Well, what they found was, well, they all have their good points, but there's one thing that was the major technique or the major influencer of whether that therapy went well. And it was this. It was relationships. If they had a relationship with the therapist, if they were able to connect with them and they were able to build that therapeutic relationship with them, then change could occur. Because that was that was the number one sign that it was going to be helpful. And so, again, not 100% on anything, but relationships mean so much more. And the same is true with our kids, right? Do you think some of you have different parenting styles than others? Or do you think all of you parent the exact same way? Okay. So, I mean, I I don't mind to be brutally honest and you guys go, man, you're a terrible parent. That's fine. But we have kids that are, you know, at all different stages of their life. I hear people sometimes go, well, my kid's bedtime's at 7.30, and I laugh. And I don't mean to laugh at you. It's just I wish I could go to bed at 7.30, okay? We're, we're, at the, we're still at the volleyball court at 8.30 at night, you know, or 9 o'clock or 9.30 sometimes. And I've got a picture, I should have put it on the PowerPoint, of my son, you know, those little rails that, you, that they have that stick down in the bleachers and they turn so the bleachers are closed. Well, they were still turned for some reason, and he's sitting in them like this, you know, watching the game like, I wish I could go home. But, you know, we're all there. We're all coaching. So our bedtimes are different than other people's bedtimes. Um, Some people in here may do timeouts. Some people in here may do spanking. Um, There's different ways of of helping kids. There's different ways of disciplining kids. Discipline doesn't mean punishment all the time. It means helping them understand the right way that they need to go. And so we're all going to have different things on that. But the number one important thing is what? It's a relationship. Do you have a relationship? And it, you know what we could probably do too is, and I'm not going to do this, how many of you had a great relationship with your parents? How many of you had a great relationship with mom, with dad? Some of you did, some of you didn't. What are you doing to make that similar? Or what are you doing to make that different with your kids? Are you making it a, a, a habit and something, hey, I'm going to do, I'm going to be there. I have a feeling because you're here, you got a good relationship with your kids or you want to. That you got that desire to because you're right here on a Saturday morning doing this. Maybe you just wanted a break from your kids. I don't know. I don't know which one it is. But, but we, you know, those are the things that we need to understand. Those relationships are so key. How many people can name an adult 
that was in your life when you were a kid that made an influence on you? Raise your hand. How many of them were a parent? I mean, we know that our parents did. How many of you had other adults that made a difference on you? What were they? Like, who were they? You don't have to say their names, but who were those people? Coaches, Bible class teachers? Siblings? Yeah, yeah. Brothers and sisters? Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the reasons I want my kids in church. Because I want them to have relationships with the other people who are in the church with them. I want them to grow up and go, hey, I look up to that guy. You know, I saw him on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and at all of our youth events. And I want them to have those connections. So I was talking to my teenagers. It was my son and my daughter and, and uh, my daughter's boyfriend. We were riding. They all go to the same, they were going to the same school at the time. And we were riding down the road, and I said something about their teachers. And one of them mentioned a man that goes to church with us, who's only been going to church with us a couple of years, uh, Scott Goodwin. You might know Scott Goodwin. So Scott um, was, is a science teacher, and he's just new to the school. And something was said about everybody respects him, like won't do anything bad in his class. And I was like, Scott's not that mean of a guy. You know, like, I'm like, why is it Scott that everybody's afraid of? And they're like, no, we're not afraid of him. Just everybody knows he cares for them, and so they're not going to mess around. They know he cares. And I was like, that's a valid point. So it was the, the, there was, there's a teacher who has made such an impact that he's not scary at all. He's a great guy, but it's because he cares for the kids. So relationships make such a difference. They make a difference in our families. They make a difference, of course, in the church. Uh, if you want somebody saying something uh, to you, uh, Mr. Colley, you've been here for how long? 20 years. That makes a big difference when you've got somebody who's been somewhere established for a long time. You understand, hey, they care for us. They're a part of this. They're a part of this family. I hope that's what they say about me. I hope that's what they say about you. I've been at Highland Park for 15 years. I was a youth minister, kind of did an interim time, and then I started preaching, and I've been there probably preaching for 12 of those years. And I hope that it's the relationship. I know my preaching isn't that great sometimes. I know my communication is probably not good sometimes. But I have connections with the members, and that makes such a difference when you connect. You know the passages, but I want us to look at a couple of passages together before we move out of this point, and that is Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. You're going to be familiar with both of them, uh, but that passage in Ephesians 6, it says fathers, but I think we can you know, slide in there as well, just parents in general. And what does it say? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the what? Nurture and admonition. I'm, I'd, I'd, I would have trouble a couple of years ago at least before I started preaching telling you what nurture and admonition meant exactly. Okay, so some translations say the discipline and instruction of. And discipline is not, it's not always punishment, like I said. Discipline is learning some of those things that we need to do and that we don't need to do. And sometimes it's redirecting and sometimes it might be through punishment. Sometimes it might be through positive reinforcement. Sometimes through that negative reinforcement. So it it comes in different ways. So you've got the discipline, but then you've also got the instruction of. And so we have a role as a parent 
to instruct them and discipline them and not agitate or provoke them to wrath. And I think a lot of the times when we have... Anybody in your house... I mean, anybody's house have unspoken rules? And you probably don't even realize that they do. They're unspoken, right? But there's certain things your kids do that they're going to get in trouble for real quick. But you might not have ever actually said, here's the rule, okay? But you look at it and go, well, it makes sense. You shouldn't treat your brother that way, or you shouldn't treat your sister that way, or you shouldn't run out in traffic, or you shouldn't... I mean, I agree with all of those things, but there's some of those things that until they have been instructed, it's kind of difficult. You know, people who come to church for the very first time. You ever had somebody come to church and... They act in a way that you're like, whoa, that, we don't do that here, right? You know, they do something and they don't know. They've walked into a different scenario and they don't understand it. The first thing you do, any teachers in here? Anybody that teach, teaches? So your kids, one of the first thing you do when you go to school is what? What are the teachers going to do on the first day? Syllabus. Syllabus, rules. It doesn't matter if you're a... If you're in high school or in college, in elementary or middle school, they're going to go, let's lay out the rules of this room, okay? We're going to talk about it. And so they're going to share what those rules of engagement are. I expect you to be in class on time, in your seat. I expect you to whatever. I know some of you homeschool. Um, I, I remember that from when I was here before. Uh, I think there was, there was uh, I was teaching the teenagers, and they were all homeschooled except one. Because they were kind of laughing anyway, so it was it was it was an interesting scenario for me because I hadn't been around that a whole lot. So, but but the fact that even then, as a parent, you go, "This is what time we're going to be up," and I know that every homeschool family can be different on that too. We're going to get up a certain time, or we just do it when we do it, right? So there's different things, and different people have different ways of doing it. But helping you provoke them to anger when you go. You're getting in trouble for something you don't understand. Discipline and instruction. Give them the guidelines so that they know. I don't expect that you don't do that, but I have seen places that don't, and I've seen people who don't. So here's where Deuteronomy chapter 6 comes in. So you remember Deuteronomy 6 begins kind of in verse 4 with this idea of, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your might. And these words I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and to your daughters. Uh, You shall, let's see, I'm sorry, diligently to your sons and shall walk with them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They'll be as frontals on your forehead. You'll write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. All right. We don't live in the Old Testament. We don't live in old Israel. What is that verse really saying to both them and to us? It's constant. Okay, it's a very natural thing that we do. And what? What is natural? What is it that they're talking about that's so natural? Okay, a continual teaching. What else? Faith, yeah. And that the things I see, the, the places I go, the stuff that's out there. You know, we can instruct about the Scriptures, and, that, and there's all kind. Of, you'll never be able to run out of information there. But you can also instruct about what you see. 
I can look out that window and there's only a handful of things I can see out that window and I can start telling you about God and about how God created those trees. And if we, I mean, I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I can't, I'm not going to get into all of how the trees, you know, grow and how all of that stuff, but you, it takes from a tiny little seed into a massive tree. Well, we could talk about God with that. We can talk about the clouds and all of the, the stuff that happens in that, that system and that process. And go, hey, a God did that. So when we walk by the way and when we rise up and when we lie down, when we're sitting in our room, we're in the living room, there are opportunities to teach and there's opportunities to instruct. And those are opportunities to teach and instruct God, but there's just also opportunities to teach life lessons, right? Like we just, this is a good time for me to impart some dad wisdom. Uh, I'm sure that in a crowd this size, that some of you can remember things that your mom... Anybody remember those little mom or dad sayings that maybe have stuck with you? Anybody got any of those? Little little tidbits of wisdom that maybe they threw at you? I know I'm putting you on the spot. It's hard to think of it sometimes. But we generally have those things. They, they usually pop in my mind when I need them. Like, I don't think about them until I'm in that scenario... And then I go, yeah, dad used... Like, I mean, this is probably one that a lot of people... But I've gone to places, every time I go somewhere and there's trash everywhere, um, I think about what my dad always said, is leave a, leave a place better than the way you found it. And so my kids at times have said, well, that wasn't my trash. I go, it doesn't matter. Like, pick up the trash. Because if we're picking up our trash and we leave, we're going to leave it better than what it was when we got here. And so it doesn't matter if it's ours. I don't know whose it is. I'm going to pick it up and throw it away. Um, that's obviously not the case because after volleyball, um, I clean up trash in the bleachers about every time um, that people just leave there. Not everybody has that mindset, but those little things kind of carry with you. And you guys may have some of those too, but those connections. So what are some of the ways, like when we really talk about teaching or building relationships, this is one of those places where I'll just stop and let you, uh, if you have some questions or some, or some comments, what are some ways you relationships with your kids through the years? What are some maybe different kinds of ways that you have done that? Anybody want to throw some things out there? Just so I'm not talking. Say what? Okay, yeah, in the kitchen. That's great. My daughter loves to cook more than anybody else in my house. And so sometimes I'm cooking with her, sometimes she's cooking with her brother, sometimes my wife's cooking with her. It's a really good opportunity to, to talk about things. Yeah, little, little ones, and then as they grow, hey, we'll give you some different chores and different things that you can do. That's a great one. Did you raise your hand? You say that, I, we, I did that once upon a time. We, we did that at least once. I remember, you know, taking And when you have five, it's kind of got hard to do that. But uh, our, my daughter was telling me the other day, she's 16. I think she was probably six or seven when I took her on that date. And she said, I can remember what I was wearing when I went, when I got dolled up to go out with Daddy. So those kind of things stick in your mind, in their minds. What else? Yeah, so what she said, if you couldn't hear in the back, is um, three boys, four boys, but they're all boys. And so she said they're each different. And anybody ever notice that with your kids? They're all different. And the way I talk to some of my kids, I, ha- I can't talk to the other ones that way. 
I have to be a little bit more gentle with some than with others. Some of them are very strong-willed. Some of them are very easily intimidated. So it's like you got to kind of handle it. It's not that you're wanting to treat them differently, but you have to know their personalities. And so you meet them where they are. And some of them want to cuddle and some of them don't. And some of them want to go play ball and some of them want to play video game. And, you know, we... Our culture has talked a lot lately. You know, the, the old man in me is like, go outside. You know, I want you to go outside. And, and people get all, you know, warped about the, the digital age and, and scared about it and all of that. And I'm like, that's just where we are, right? We're not going backward. We're going to be digital. And so kids that are growing up in the digital age, they're not going to know anything different. And so at some point we have to not, Say, okay, I'm protecting you from all of those things because that's going to be their world one day. But how can I help guide you through those things? Just like I helped guide you on a ball field or I helped guide you somewhere else. Video games and other stuff that they do, it's just what they're going to do. I kind of was in that middle range. I can remember before cell phones. I can remember before, uh, like when Nintendo came out. I guess Atari was already around, but... I mean, like, video games were kind of becoming life, but I still played outside, too. I had both of those things. And, you know, more and more, we go to Maywood every year, more and more it's like, we don't want to play sports out there. It's too hot. You know, I was like, when I was a kid, it didn't matter. We were going to be out there playing sports at Maywood no matter what. But we live in a kind of a different world now. And so meeting the kids where they are. Do you play video games with your kids? I don't know how to do that. Well, they may not know how to do your stuff either. You know what that gives them an opportunity to do? To show you, to build with you. When their kids say, hey, Dad, will you play this video game with me? Your answer should probably be yes. <laughs> or can you do this with me? And you go, I don't know how to play it. I'll teach you. That's a good bonding moment where if they're allowed to teach you, then they may listen to you when you try to teach them. So good, good opportunities to, to go across the board. Anything else? Yes, sir. It was as a father, and and I don't know all the reasons for that, but I think that I'm better now with my grandchildren who live close to me. Uh, my nine-year-old grandson, when my son was that age, I tried to teach him things and involve him in what I was doing, but I was so busy that there were times when I could I could do a job with him there, but it would take twice the time. Yes. And, and sometimes, not always, but sometimes I would choose to do, I just need to get this done. Yeah. But I'm better at that now that, that I have my grandchildren. And, and so my mindset is more just about whatever I'm doing. If it involves going to the nursing home or it involves putting a toilet kit in or whatever yeah. it is, this is something that Ezra can do with me. And I put him there. And, and not only does that help him learn, but it's very bonding. And he, uh, that's when he wants to talk. That's when, it's when you're holding a wrench. Somebody else said something about a wrench. When you're, when you're doing something, and, and uh, it's, it's a little bit distracting and you're involved in that, that's when conversation often happens. Well, and, and I'll add to that, um, and I try to do that too. One of the things that got me ex- super excited when I was younger, before I started having kids, about having kids, there was a book called Wild at Heart. Some of you probably have read that at some point. Um, don't necessarily agree with the author's uh, theology at times, but 
John Eldridge is the author of that book, and it was just all about how he lived in the outdoors with his boys. He took them, you know, whitewater rafting, and he took them. He lived in Colorado, so it's like, you know, I'm in the. He's in the middle of all of those kinds of things, and so that was how he had a relationship with his kids. And I was so excited about being a dad and doing those things. I probably not done it quite on the level I had hoped I would do it, but I have taken my kids hunting. I've sat next to my oldest son, my oldest daughter, and my next uh, or my third uh, child daughter when they've killed their first deer. I've been sitting there with them. Um, I've been in on the water when my son, I've never killed a duck in my life, but I, I went with him on a youth hunt and he killed one. It's hanging on his wall. You know, those kinds of things where it's like, Hey, if there's things I can take them adventurous, you know, kayaking or, or, you know, out on a boat and doing those kinds of things with them, then I'm going to do it. But sometimes you kind of lose sight of that. But it's so important um, to have those moments, not just, hey, we're going to church and I'm, I'm home from work, you know, and I've got things to do and I stay busy. But finding that time to, to spend and, and develop the relationship, so key. Anything else? Oh, sorry, what? Traveling, yeah. Just going places together. Whew, that can be a experience with seven of you in the car. But, you know, usually you get to the end and what you usually remember the good parts of it. Uh, or you, and you laugh about the bad parts. I was a youth minister for many years. I can't tell you how many vehicles broke down uh, on us on youth trips. But it's kind of a running joke that you do not want me driving for your youth trip, okay? It's something's going to break down, a wheel's going to fall off. We caught a uh, we caught a interstate median on fire um, because it threw a wheel off. I was not driving, by the way, but a trailer wheel came off. He hit the brakes. The trailer wheel hit us in the back of the trailer, bounced across the median. It was hot, or it was a dry season. Bolts came off in the median, set the median on fire, and the tire ended up on the other side of the interstate. So, um, But I was in the vehicle, so I get some of the blame for that. But anyway, but the traveling is fun. And But we, we look back at that and go, hey, you remember when we did this? Do you remember when this happened? Do you remember when we had to sit in that hotel for a long time? You know, and so you remember it and you develop those, those things and then maybe it's the beach or it's Disney or it's whatever else. So all sorts of good memories of traveling. Yeah, just reading. Spend in fact, that's what I do and I probably do it better with the kids at school than I do with my own kids as far as just sitting down and reading books. But that's one of the main things I do when I visit the classrooms and do uh, emotional intelligence stuff or character ed is there's a lady, if you're looking for someone who has really great books on mental health stuff, Julia Cook is a name you should write down. So Julia Cook has, I don't know, I, I would say cl- close to 50 or 100 books on, and they're, they're the picture books, they just have a sentence or two on each page, but she has them like, there's one called Clicks Don't Make Sense, and it's coins, and they're talking with each other, and they're kind of treating each other bad for a little while, but you know, we're all have value, you know, and so she does this whole thing. Um, she's got some, um, there's just all kinds of them on anger, on all sorts of stuff. So um, I think you'd enjoy those books. Anything else? So let's go to the second part with this, and we may have to do, I kind of had a break set out, but um, I really wasn't exactly sure how long it would take us to get through it, but we've got, we got a couple more sessions, so we may just take a break when we need to take a break. Um, but the second thing 
is uh, connections are key. Now, that sounds like the same thing we just said, but we're talking about, on some level, different kinds of connections, okay? So when we talk about the brain, uh, has anybody ever, uh, ever read the book The Whole Brain Child? Anybody ever read it? Or heard of it, okay? So we're going to talk about some concepts that you find in the book, The Whole Brain Child. And, and what, what it is, is there's two, two different halves. Two, I guess four different halves is the way to say it. But you have a downstairs brain, you have an upstairs brain. You have a left brain, you have a right brain, okay? And I'm going to explain what that means, hopefully. Uh, you may have some questions, but... Um, this kind of illustrates it. This is not my drawing, but it, it illustrated it well, okay? So your downstairs brain, which is the brain stem, you know, this lower region of it, is where your sensory perception, your safety, your reactive. So when you blink, okay, when you are breathing without thinking about it, when you have fight or flight, y'all familiar with fight or flight or freeze, right? So I'm going to run or I'm going to fight and all those things in my body start happening like this without me thinking about it. So most, well, everything in the animal kingdom has some part of that, okay? Everything is reactive. So some scientists, those who like to believe in evolution, uh, but it helps us to kind of get it in our mind, they call it the reptilian brain, okay? It's the it's just the part that the reptiles have just to be able to survive, kind of. They can't think, they can't go into the higher reasoning, but they've got this downstairs part of the brain. And all the kids, you know, our kids are born with that pretty much developed. You know, you start to drop a baby or do anything, what are they going to do? You know, they're going to tense up. That, that part of their brain kicks in even though they, don't, they can't talk and they can't do other stuff, but they have a tendency, at least pretty quickly, they begin to do things to shield themselves or whatever. Okay, so they've, they're all born with that. And over time, we begin to develop the upstairs part of our brain. Okay, so the upstairs part of our brain is our planning and problem-solving, reasoning and thinking. Okay, so it's prefrontal cortex and all of this that's, that's through here, and all of that begins to develop later. Okay, so we're trying to help them as they're growing, as our kids are growing, we're trying to help them build that second half up, okay? So that's part of what we're doing. So from the basement area of the house, because in his book he talks about it being a house, and that's why there's kind of little steps. But, you know, he says like in your basement, you have, we don't all have basements, but under the house or in the basement a lot of times you find the, the plumbing and the electrical work and, you know, some of those kinds of things. So he says those are like your, just your automatic responses. And then upstairs, you have your higher reasoning. So you go up in your house and you've got your study and your, your bedrooms and your living rooms and all the stuff that you do where you think, where you, where you do those things. So it's just kind of an image to help you understand, you know, what that is. And so the upstairs is decision-making, control over your emotions and your thoughts, your empathy, your self-awareness. So the bottom part is reactive. The top part is more receptive, okay? So you're reacting in the bottom part. The top part of your brain is receiving all of this stuff and then making um, decisions based on what you're receiving and the information that you're receiving. So that's the downstairs part and the upstairs part. Now I'm going to stop right there.
We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.